A year in review of Chicago sports. Tyler and I are here for the year-end Lakeshore Sports Podcast to look back on the year that was 2022 for all of our teams. Unfortunately, for a lot of these teams, Tyler, a lot more bad than good, but we're going to give both sides of the story here for all of our teams and kind of cover uh, exactly what took place yeah, in the year yeah, 2022. Traditionally, I am not a very optimistic Chicago sports fan, but and but I will try to keep it on the light side as best I can, but honestly, like I said, there's not like you said, there's not a lot of light yeah. in Chicago sports it at was, the moment. It was a rough year for the most part. Um, you know, there were there were a couple thing, a couple saving graces here and there, but in total, not the most successful year in Chicago sports. So yeah. let's just jump right into it. Probably um, the team that kept us a little bit more on the light side of things this year, Tyler, was the Bulls, I'd mm-hmm. say, more so than... Especially earlier in the year. Yeah, especially in, earlier in the season, you know, the first half of 2022 maybe. But mm-hmm. um, we'll get into that, you know, what's going on now. And yeah, let's go. What's going on now too. But we're going to give, you know... Like we were talking about before we hopped on here, we're a bad news first kind of, pe- kind of people. <laughs> then we want the good news. Yeah, so the Tyler, bad news. <laughs> I want you, and you know, looking back on the the twenty twenty two calendar year as a whole for, for the yeah. Chicago Bulls, what was the worst thing, time, game, anything that happened that you can remember? Um, talking about this team yeah well i have a feeling you and me jimmy are gonna have some crossover on some of these and this one will probably be an easy crossover for yes, us and that like... is lonzo ball yes that, that was the worst thing probably to happen to the chicago bulls this year because the, the bulls uh i should have pulled up the numbers before but they had a very good record with lonzo ball like a, i'd say i want to say 10 15 games above 500 then once once he went down i think they've been well below 500 without him so um, he's a key piece of that to that team. He was only supposed to be out for what six weeks, something yeah, like that, when the knee came. And then all of a sudden, they're like, "Okay, you know what? Right before the playoffs, okay, you know what? He might be back in the playoffs." And next thing you know, they're like, "You know what? He's done for the season." And now they're like, "Now the the word is." They don't even know if he's going to be back this season. Yeah. And it's just like this one thing that was supposed to be a one off six week injury has completely turned honestly the fortunes of the entire Chicago Bulls franchise. And as yeah. weird as it sounds, because Lonzo Ball. Is one of those players that he's not their best player. He's our most important player, like yeah. you said, though. That we both agreed kind of on that. He's the glue um, guy. He's he's what makes that offense run. Like Demar Derozan, Zach Levine. Yeah, they're our main scorers, but Lonzo's the guy that runs that whole show. And uh, it's completely yeah. It downturned the Bulls organization a little bit. Where now we're like a very mediocre team with two very good stars and just not the guy that's leading the show anymore. It's so that kind of stuff. And I have a second bad. There's probably like ten bads I could do. <laughs> Um, but that's the first one, okay? Alonzo Ball, I, I hate you hate to see him go down. Um, and hopefully we get him back sometime in the near future, but I doubt it. Uh, the lack of additions in the offseason. That's one thing I was you, – yeah, you had that too. Uh, yeah, yeah, these are both of mine too. <laughs> All right, we had, we had similar list. And that was like we didn't do anything. Like what was the one – our recap of the Bulls season that we did – um, I think it was a few episodes back, a while back, mm-hmm. uh, when the season ended, we said, okay, they are missing interior defense, they're missing perimeter defense, they're missing perimeter shooting. Like, that's one of the three biggest holes uh, that the Bulls needed to address. And what do they do? They go sign Goran Dragic, who I like Goran, uh, I'm going to say, I like these two additions. Goran Dragic, yeah. Andre Drummond. Andre Drummond, a very good rebounder, he's tough, not like the most, not the best interior defender, but he's fine. But like, that wasn't, that didn't really address the interior defense. He's not going to go, like... I don't know, challenge yeah. Giannis Antetokounmpo or great, Joel great Embiid. Yeah, yeah, that's not what we needed. 
Um, and then perimeter defense, I don't think Goran Dragic is going to stop anybody, you know. And then we needed we needed Patrick Williams to take a big leap. There's there's a lot of things yeah, that have gone wrong for the Chicago right Bulls. Yeah. Like there was rumors in the offseason that they're going to go after a guy like Rudy Gobert, which honestly, after looking at the price, I'm glad they didn't. But like, if the price for Gobert was like, you know. Oh, Vooch, Patrick Williams, and a first rounder. I would have done that, yeah. or like two first rounders even. I I, I would have done that, but like, I yeah. I just feel like the Bulls kind of stood pat in the off season. They preach continuity. I drank the juice. I thought, yeah, continuity. I love I love that idea of having the same exact team. But, um, yeah. I uh, at the end of the day, the lack of additions kind of hurt this team because they kind of just banked on Lonzo coming back eventually, and that just and, and the continuity of them improving more, which just yeah. didn't work out. Yeah. What, what do you got, Jim? I mean, yeah, you, you hit the nail on, on the head there with both of those points. Um, the thing that really kind of drives me crazy, like you were talking about Lonzo Ball, is that, you know, this was, we're talking 2022 as a whole, this was the first couple weeks mm-hmm. of 2022 um, that he was injured, I wanted to, you know, maybe the second week of January of this, you know, the year that's now passing. So yeah. this has been a year-long ordeal um, mm-hmm. that... You know, there just doesn't seem to be an answer for. And, you know, now we don't know when we're going to get back to him being on the floor. We don't know when we're going to get hopefully get back to that level that we were playing at when he was on the floor. That's what sucks. And, you know, just to add on to what you were saying about the, the front office decision-making for this team, you know, it was it, it just flipped on a dime kind of my feelings towards this front office. And, you know, what AK and Mark Eversley were able to kind of do because in 2021 we had you know we were bringing in these pieces looked like the Bulls were going to get back to being a competitive team in the NBA you know which is great for the city it's great for the league and Mm -hmm. then this year you know those feelings kind of went by the wayside just because of the lack of initiative that was taken by the by the by the by the men in the front office so I mean it it just seems like I don't know if it's if complacency is the right word but we don't want to be complacent like we want to keep taking that next step and we all thought that that last year was just a starting point for the Bulls and right now, as we currently stand last year, it looks really good compared to what we are, where we are kind of right now. And so the bar that we're setting, or that that's set, was not set by the fans. Like, it was set right. by the front office. Right. They said last year, they said last year, was not good enough. We need to take a step forward. We need to not just lose in the first round and be one of those bottom six teams, yep. or bottom, like, you know, six seed or below six, these. Yeah, right. uh, that, that's what they said. They, they set the bar high. They wanted to be one of the top teams in the East. They wanted to go deep in the playoffs. That was the bar they set, and they <clears> started out like this. Yeah. So you could say we're critiquing them and that we're being harsh on them, but at the end of the day, this is the goal that they told us they were doing, and they're not accomplishing Right, that. yeah, and just, like, overall, I think, you know, this isn't just a 2022 thing for me, Tyler, with the Bulls, but yeah, the lack of... Um, <clears throat> excuse me, player development in the franchise is kind of, I think, to me, coming, really starting to show its ugly face a little bit. Like, Patrick Williams, like, he's not done developing, but no. I, th- like you, I think we all expected him to be one of those main guys this season. And he's had his moments, but he's also had a lot of moments where you don't really know how he's contributing on the floor. Mm-hmm. Um, not every game, but a, a decent amount of games. And, you know... I don't really know what their plan is for Dalen Terry. Um, you know, their first round uh, pick from this past season. Yeah, I give him a, like a few years. Yeah, it's, it's hard. It's hard to judge. You know, I'm not saying he should be developed because he's not playing. But you look back at like you know the Tom Thibodeau years where Jimmy Butler barely touched the floor and averaged yeah. four points a game. So yeah, like right. that that one doesn't concern me as much as like 
the Patrick Williams, and Io's taking a step though. That's, yes. That, that's, yes. That's yeah. Yeah. You know, that's a good point. That's, that's a, good, a good, point. good one. Yeah. But um, I I I, I agree with you. Like you look at like uh, Marko Simonovic. That's a guy they were kind of excited about, and he's yeah. been a dud. He's he's in the G League now, right? Or did yeah. they wave him? I don't even know what happened to him. <laughs> so like I agree. There's definitely some red flags. There's some good development. There's the Io. There. I think Io's really the only good development. He is. You yeah. Say. Patrick Williams plateaued. Kobe White. He's fine, but he's not maybe that that outside threat that we were hoping he would he would really become into. He's honestly our best shooter right he is. now. He is, yeah. <laughs> but he's not like this. Not like lights out. Can really count on him. Maybe I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself with knocking yeah. on some of these guys, but no, that's just the way that I observe it. That's and fair. That's fair. So, but Absolutely. you know, though I like you, we were talking about the Lonzo Ball injury really was a setback for the team, and the franchise as a whole. Um, we've talked about it to to no end. It seems like just because we want him back out there so bad. Yeah. And then yes, the front office decision, but it was not all bad for the Bulls in twenty twenty two. There were a lot of good moments, a lot of moments that you were really thrilled to be watching Bulls basketball again. Yeah. So Tyler, I want to give the mic back over to you. All to right. Give me what you thought was the best, um, you know, best moment, best best ordeal for the Bulls uh, in twenty twenty two. So. This was it was it was funny when I sat down. It was actually kind of hard to decide because in January is when the Lonzo Ball injury happened, so there really wasn't a lot of good. Even like making the playoffs and just beating the Bucks one game, like is that the best thing that's happened to the Bulls? I don't know. I put down, and this is up for interpretation, the Zach Levine extension, um, huh. giving him the max, and this is why I am not sold on Zach Levine. Okay, I am not the guy saying he's the franchise player. I don't think he's a franchise player. I think he's very selfish. I, at least he's kind of shown selfish. Uh, this this season, he's uh, gotten better in being a team player, especially the last six games. We won uh, at the time we're recording this podcast. It's New Year's Eve, and uh, he's he's played better than five. Like they won five of the last six games. He's shown to be more unselfish. He's also shown to be shown to be more efficient, and he's yeah. I, I like the way he's playing, but I'm not sold on him. But the reason I lo- I think the Zach Levine can be put under the good column because it shows that the Bulls have loyalty to their players long-term. Like, one knock on the front office for the past, for a lot of Chicago front offices, okay? I'm talking, you know, the Cubs. I'm talking, I mean, the Hawks were pretty good at it. But, like, like those types of front offices, the Bulls in in recent years, they haven't been loyal to their players and say, okay, this guy's nearing the end of his contract. Let's try to trade him. But instead, they said, this guy's nearing the end of his contract. Let's try to lock him up for the long-term future. That's a good message to send to the rest of the league and the rest of the players in the league because I think it shows that the Bulls are nearing towards a player's organization. They're nearing towards like, hey, if you put in the work and you are loyal to our city, then we will respect you and reward you. And I kind of like that mentality in terms of like it should – I think it's very attractive to free agents. Now, we haven't had a lot of big free agent like – um, additions, obviously, but this past off season also was kind of lack of star power. Right. You know what I mean? So maybe in future off seasons, the Bulls are like, "Hey, look at us! We signed Zach to the extension. Hey, look at us! We're gonna sign maybe Demar to an extension. Like we're gonna reward you. Maybe we'll get something done with Vooch, which I, I'm not sold on that at all. Yeah. But like that, I think it, I think it sends a good message to the rest of the league. That's why I put the Zach extension under the good. I don't. I I'm still iffy on if he's gonna be this franchise cornerstone for the next five years, but. I like the messages sent to the rest of the league. Yeah, yeah. Now, it's funny. For me, the best was game two of the playoffs against Milwaukee. Yeah, okay, that's fair. No, it's fair. That's because fair. that was, you know, I wish I wish it could be games one and two against Milwaukee because we could have won game one. Um, 
of that first round series, and we theoretically could have been going home 2-0 against Milwaukee, and then you never know what could have happened. But um, I just remember watching that game. It was tight the whole way. The Bulls were able to pull, you know, pull ahead at the end. Demar had a great game. That's it awesome. just it felt like it. More so than anything, it was just good to win a playoff game for mm-hmm. one of the teams. I mean, I just we haven't seen a lot of that in recent years where we've had success in the playoffs, and you know, getting bounced in five games in the first round is not success. I don't mean it to sound that way, but being having that moment in time in twenty twenty two where we, you know, like we said, hopefully a stepping off point. Uh, I thought that was that was pretty cool. Um, and then the secondary one that I, I came up with was, I, I think it was in April of last year, right before the playoffs or end of March in 2022, mm-hmm. was DeMar DeRozan's game against the Los Angeles Clippers. Mm-hmm. I think it was a 50-point performance that he had where he the Bulls were down double digits with, you know, five, whatever minutes were remaining it was. And he willed them back and it went into overtime and, you know, he had a 50-piece a to, to close off overtime and... Uh, solidified it with a dunk, and I thought that was just a, a good moment. The UC was rocking. Um, it just and they were building some momentum going into the playoffs. I thought that was a really cool moment. And even this, Tyler, the mm-hmm. most recent comeback win against Milwaukee this, this past week. Um, again, down eleven with two minutes to go, and yeah. they close on a thirteen to two run, and you know they're able to, to knock off one of the best teams in the East. I think you know as far as the 2022-23 regular season goes, that might have been the shining moment so far this year. Mm-hmm. Best comeback one of the season. Um, so I think those are those are some of them. Obviously, it's not the best of the best, but as far as things go with the state of the Bulls right now, I think looking back, those are those are the couple that really stick out in my mind for being uh, <laughs> the best of the Bulls. Absolutely. And there's you definitely need some good takeaways from this franchise because they haven't given us a lot. They gave us a lot last year. Yeah. This year, off to a rocky start, not giving us a lot of hope. So it's good to reflect on yes. some of the good that we got in this <laughs> franchise, and that it's not it's not lost. It's it's not it's not a lost cause yet. <laughs> yes, exactly. Now, speaking of possibly lost causes, <laughs> yeah, that's a good transition. <laughs> See, what are we doing here? Blackhawks here. Let's talk, <laughs> so, let's talk Hawks. <laughs> uh, you want to talk about some some bad um, right now for the Blackhawks? Is probably as bad as it's been in. 15 seasons, 20 seasons for the Blackhawks are on pace to have one of their worst seasons statistically um, in the franchise history. So this is all by design, though. It's not like we didn't see this coming. No, it's what we want to happen. So, yeah, yeah, I mean, the weird thing is just it's it's good that they're finally this bad because, to be honest, you know, it never should have gotten bad Mm -hmm. after, you know, when they had Kane and Taves in their primes, but there was three or four seasons in a row where the Blackhawks had no identity and now they have an idea. We know they're a rebuilding team. We know it's going to take a lot of work to get them back to where we've seen them, yep. uh, you know, reach the top of the mountain in the past. But, you know, it is what it is right now. So that's just what I kind of have as my worst of the Blackhawks this season, Tyler, is, you know, we've had multiple eight, nine game losing streaks already mm-hmm. in this season. Um, and just like the current season as a whole for the Blackhawks, I think is the worst. I also threw in there, the Alex Dabrinkit trade. Um, yep, I was going to say that. Yep. You know, I have, I'll, I'll disclaim this a little bit more when I get to the best of my Blackhawks of, of 2022, but I, I look back on that and I actually don't, I don't have the stats in front of me. I haven't really followed what he's been doing in Ottawa that, so far this season, but it, it just hurt losing a guy that young, that promising with that goal scoring ability um, to just kind of take him off of your team. And, you know, the, not as much that they decided to trade Alex Dabrinkit, but some of the return I thought was a little bit light for a player of his caliber. Yeah. Uh, Tyler, I don't know if you have the same 
for yourself with the Blackhawks, but that's that's kind of what I what I had. Yeah, I'll talk about Alex in a second. My because that was that was one of my bads. My first one I'll say is just kind of the way everything's gone, and to have the Blackhawks who were held as kind of the highest standard in Chicago sports. They are the franchise. All the other Chicago sports wanted to be to build themselves after. This is right. the standard, and now, fast forward to where they are now, and they are bottom feeder of the NHL, and they are the. I'm just gonna say it. They're the worst franchise in Chicago yes. right now, and it's very unfortunate because they've just completely plummeted from where the the high stature that they were at, and just that everything everything that's gone down. It's just, it's sad to see the fall. Uh, from such a, a franchise that you and me, you know, we just as our as our favorite, it's it's our, our favorite, favorite team, we man. Talk like, about it every single day. Oh my goodness, we high love school, them. college, they were they were good, and yeah, now it's just it just we don't know when we're gonna see that again. It's bottom know? feeders, so that's that's my first bet. It's just to see how far they've fallen. But secondly, Alex to bring it. Um, I agree. The return on that was just very much lower than I thought it would be. Like yeah. it was like what first, second, third. Yes, that was it for a forty goal score that's twenty four years old. This year he's got so far through thirty five games, thirteen goals, twenty two assists, thirty five points. That's a very good stat line so far through, yeah. through the year. Thirty five points. So, uh, that's a point per game right now, yeah. which I would love to take on the Blackhawks. <laughs> Don't have a lot of that. <laughs> so, I like them. Like yeah, the message was okay. We want to start building. We want to start rebuilding. Get a young core going. You know what's great for a young core, Jimmy? What's that? A twenty four year old forty goal score. <laughs> <laughs> He's a ama- that's an amazing young core piece right there. Yep. So the fact that they traded him for what they got back, I'm not crazy. That being said, and I you'll hit on that and you're good, I'm sure, is the pick that they used in the Debrinka trade yep. for Korchinski. I'll let you talk about him in a minute, but I thought that was that was an excellent pick, and he's probably the hawk I'm most excited about at the moment. Him yeah. and him and Nazar are probably yes. the two that I'm looking at. Um, but so that, I guess that's a good at the end of the day. But at the same time, out a forty goal score, yeah. a forty goal score that was twenty four years old. He was, I just I don't get it. And not a multiple time forty goal score. Yeah. Like he's he was forty one goals in two two separate seasons, thirty two goals in another season, and then twenty eight goals in his first. Like. The dude just found the back of the net. Yeah. I mean, you just let He's him go for, score. and it felt like you let him go for jack squat. So like, and it puts a lot of pressure on these next few picks to really turn out because if they don't turn out into what they're supposed to be, then that goes down as one of the worst trades in Blackhawks history. Yeah, yeah. Now, if this is, and it's weird to kind of play devil's advocate to myself a little bit, but go for it. I I know that Kyle Davidson, he, he's looking at this upcoming draft class, which is stacked at the top. Yep, and you know leading the way there that we keep talking about on Twitter and amongst ourselves is Connor Bedard is going to go number one overall. Mm-hmm. Um, pretty pretty much as a lock to, to be taken at that spot. So if trading Alex Dabrinkit is what contributes to you landing Connor Bedard, mm-hmm. maybe you have a point there. But And, you know, with with Kane and Dabrinkit on the line together, they're probably worth themselves a couple wins on their own. Yeah. Just with their ability to, to their and the chemistry that they had. But... At the same time, it's 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 go, it's gonna we're gonna have to wait and see is basically what I'm trying to say till we put our final judgment. But as of right now, you really miss that goal scoring ability because the Blackhawks in their past fifteen games mm-hmm. are putting up a goal a game. I want to say or something like that. And yeah, five of those goals came in one game against Columbus. So they're really, yeah. they are not uh, they're not scoring, and that's that's what's really tough to see. But on the good side, yes, like you had mentioned, Kevin Korczynski. Looks like he's going to be a future number one defenseman in the NHL. Um, used, you know, with that pick from the Debrinkin trade, he's lighting it up in the World Juniors right now. So, I've, so I'm seeing. Um, 
so that that's that's good stuff too. I mean, you take the good with the bad in, in that regard in that trade. And then you know the the best, and we were talking a little bit about this, Tyler. I don't know if you're going to mention it at all, but you know, with not a lot to be proud of or to be happy about with the on the ice product, the Marion Hosa jersey retirement ceremony was mm-hmm. a, was a really good a good moment for the franchise. There were fans, you know, backpacked in the building. Um, everything around that kind of brought back the you know, the good vibes of the glory years of the Blackhawks. We did a, a podcast about it, um, and, you know, it was good to see all those core guys back. The yeah. Stanley Cup was in the building. It just, it brought back, it, it reminded us where we were and mm-hmm. hopefully where we're going to be again in the distant future, but, you know, to, to kind of keep Hawks fans around, I guess. Not yeah. that they're ever going to leave, but you know how that goes, so no, we're that's throwing, my best. We're throwing through <laughs> to the end of the franchise. Uh that just reminded me of one more bet, and I'm sorry to <laughs> do that. <laughs> Let's hear but it. <laughs> one more that I totally didn't write down, but it came to mind, is uh, the letting go of Eddie Olchek. Yes. That yes. stuck like a knife in the heart, you yes. know? Because that's the man that taught, honestly, taught me hockey uh, growing up in sixth grade, like watch, watching the Blackhawks. He was the guy I, I listened to every single day watching hockey, and he taught me the sport. So, and, like, he's nostalgic. He he bled Blackhawks through and through. And to let that type of guy walk out the door just because he – I don't even know what the demands were. And he won't even say it because he, he says it was his decision. He doesn't put on the Blackhawks because he's the classy guy he is. But we know it wasn't his decision. And that's what annoys me the most right. is we let, honestly, the heart and soul of what Blackhawks fandom saw and just let him walk out the door. And yeah. just, that, that, sorry, that's just a bad I had to put in there because – that one was personal. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. Very fair. Good. <laughs> Let's talk good, okay? I mean, there's, like you said, there's not a lot of good um, that I have to say about the Chicago Blackhawks right now. But the one thing I can say um, is the Blackhawks have chosen a direction. Yes. It felt like for a while there, for the past few years, we've been treading water yep. and trying to put something together of like, oh, maybe we can do something, maybe we can't. Like, it's, they finally said, you know what, we got, we got to choose a direction. And it sucked. Especially to watch a guy like Alex Brinkett walk out the door, and I'm, I guess I'm playing devil's advocate to myself yeah. now. <laughs> but I guess you had to choose a direction. Yep. And if you're going to go all in, you go all in. So I still think there's a few more steps you need to take to go all in. Like, I don't know if Taves and Kane are going to finish out their careers with the Blackhawks. I don't even know if they finish out the season, to be honest, Jimmy. Right. We could do a whole separate episode on that. Yeah, and we will at some point, I'm We sure. will. <laughs> but they, yeah, it's just, it's... I'm happy to see that they've chosen a direction of rebuild because honestly it wasn't working. No. It wasn't. And they weren't they just could with the Kane and Taves contracts kinda of handcuffing them, they couldn't spend the necessary money they needed to build around those guys. And that just kind of for it kinda of forces them into the situation where they were mediocre for the next for the last five years and now they're going into that rebuild mode. So yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it just seems like we could do a whole storyline from twenty fifteen on. Yeah. We could do an episode about that sometime. We, man. we should. That'd about be a good one. just about every how, move, the how yeah, how twenty fifteen from the the third Stanley Cup, how it all just went downhill from there. How yeah. I woke up one day and Joe Quenville was fired, and yeah. how like yeah, just a bunch of different things that happened. So yeah, we'll talk about it later. But anyways, the good they chose a direction. The rebuilding it's gonna suck for the next five years. Hawks fans, buckle up, buckle down. But you know what? Maybe we'll have Connor Bedard at the center of the franchise. Yeah, and. He can lead us to the promised land. Yeah, that's that's what it would take. So, I mean, th- just try my when you know when your team is going through a rebuilding phase. Remember what it felt like now when we're the worst team in the league. Absolutely. Get back. We know. We know. We've experienced both ends now, and you know we're we experienced three championships. Now we're the worst team in the league. 
now we know we know what could be on the, on the other side of this tunnel. So mm-hmm. um, we'll just leave it at that with the Blackhawks. Yes, we don't need, we don't need to elaborate. <laughs> we're, we're gonna we're gonna have to wait and see how the rest of the season plays out because, like you said, the Taves and Kane storyline um, is going to be one to follow over the next couple of months as we enter the mm-hmm. new year, and then the trade deadline is on the horizon just a couple of months later than, uh, later than that. So. All right. um, Baseball. How baseball. About some baseball. Yeah. So, uh, for baseball, do you do you want to just kind of since we we if, for those of you who don't know, Jimmy and I, uh, we're separate sides of town fans. He's yes. more of a South Sider. I'm a North Sider. So, do you want to knock out? Maybe I knock out the good and bad. Then you want to or the bad and good. Then you want to knock out your bad and good with the yeah. Sox. We'll, yeah. We'll yeah. With that. Let's yeah. Let's that. do that. All right. Sounds good. So. Leading into the Chicago Cubs, all right? There's actually yeah. a lot of good right now, and I've, I'm not going to start with the good, but I'm, I'm very happy with the recent moves that have been taken um, and the recent additions Jed has finally made because, he was, as you saw on Twitter, I was not super happy with him <laughs> leading up to that. Um, we'll start with the bad. Um, the bad for me, as funny as I'm going to sound very contradictory to what I was in past episodes talking about this, but not getting anything for Wilson Contreras at the deadline. Um... After they did not trade Wilson Contreras, I said they had to re-sign him. And the reason I said that was because the best you can get from Wilson Contreras after he leaves is a, uh, a comp draft pick, which I think is going to be like a second round or something like that. And I was like, if that's literally the best you're going to get from Wilson Contreras, just give him a contract and let's roll with it. And I feel like they could have. I feel like they really could have. They, they could have afforded to give Wilson Contreras what he got from... From the Cardinals. And that's, I think that's probably what hurts more. Yeah, that's a stinger. Is seeing the man leave for the St. Louis Cardinals. And, like, that's, like, the bottom franchise. Like, it's the franchise I hate the most in baseball. <laughs> and to see him go there and be, one, Yadier Molina's successor, who is one of the most overrated catchers of all time. And just to see him... Yeah, just grace that new uniform and grace like, oh, I, I'm so crazy about the tradition here and all that. Like that ticked me off, man. Did you hear that? Yeah, did you hear about that? He had, I did. He had, there's for those of you who didn't know, there was a uh, Players Tribune article that he wrote and he talked about imagining playing for the Cardinals when uh, he was on the Cubs during a series, and I was like, what? I was I was I was pissed. Yeah. So, but anyways, if that was his case, and if he, was, if he already had his foot off the door looking at the Arizona or Arizona, looking at the St. <laughs> Louis Cardinals, then we should have given it to the Cardinals, and we should have got some more back than just a cop pick. Yeah. Um, that's what I'm. That's definitely the thing I'm most mad about this off season. Not that they didn't resign Wilson Contreras, but the fact that he already had one foot out the door, so we should have just traded him in the first place. And yeah. I was just too emotional to see that at the time. <laughs> <laughs> um, the good though. For the Cubs, there's a lot of good to come. Okay, um, the biggest good I know is predictable is Dansby Swanson. Yep. Um, I love the Dansby Swanson signing. I did not. I was livid at the time when the Cubs. Well, first Trey Turner went off the board, so they had to get one of these four shortstops to make this to make this off season successful. Uh, Trey Turner went off the board. I wasn't surprised. He was never really connected to the Cubs. He was always going to the Phillies. It kind of felt like, and then. And then Xander Bogarts came off the board, and that's when I really started getting mad. I was like, okay, why are we letting Xander – like, we can go get Xander Bogarts. I mean, yeah. he got overpaid, though. 11 years, $280 million is a lot for Xander Bogarts. Mm-hmm. But, like, at the same time, I was all mad. And then all of a sudden, Carlos Correa went off the board. I just, it just felt like I was being duped by the Cubs. It felt like I was being, like, just yeah. – like, you know, given, like, oh, yeah, we're definitely going to go spend, spend. And then they let all the other teams spend. You know, yeah. They let the Phillies outspend us and the – 
Giants or what, almost the Giants. That's oh, I feel bad for the Giants fans. Oh, <laughs> they they won a friend Aaron Judge. Aaron they had Aaron Judge apparently. Yeah. I mean, someone announced yeah. it, <laughs> and then <John> and then <laughs> Correa and that whole thing. But and now who knows if Correa's gonna end up with the Mets now? Yeah. We sit here on December thirty first. He might still be on the board. <laughs> he might still be on the board. Maybe, maybe the Cubs will give him a two year yeah. deal. Who knows? But anyways, Dansby Swanson was a great signing because one, he, I mean. This might be overrated, but he's a really good man. He's a really good guy. Like yeah. after re- after after hearing his press conference and how he appreciated the culture of Chicago and the type of leader he is and everything I've heard about him. Like I've I've listened to multiple podcasts, including our own, <laughs> about how good of a how good of a leader he is. And you know what? I'm all in on Dansby Swanson. Um, and seven years, hundred seventy seven million. I think that's a fine price tag. It's a good value, pay. yeah. Yeah, that's a good price tag. And some people call it a little expensive. Maybe it is, but you know what? I'm fine with it. Is he the bat that we wanted? No, he's not exactly the bat that we wanted. But you know what? He hit 25 home runs, 96 RBIs. I'll take that bat, okay? He might not have that next year. He might have closer to, like, who knows, 22 home runs, 70-something RBIs. But you know what? He's What he doesn't bring with the bat, he brings with defense. Yeah. And I think the Cubs now own the best up-the-middle defense, one of the best up-the-middle defenses in the league with Dansby Swanson, a gold glover on the, on the shortstop, Nico Horner, who was a gold glove finalist at second base before he got moved to shortstop, Cody Bellinger down the middle for a one-year deal who's going to be – who is a gold glover at center field. And we got Jan Gomes and now Tucker Barnhart kind of playing behind the plate. They're both defensive first catchers. I think the Cubs have great defensive up the middle, which is going to – one, it'll improve their pitching because I think, one, the splits with Wilson Contreras behind the plate and with Jan Gomes behind the plate proved – like the ERA was like almost one run lower than yeah. it was with Jan Gomes behind so, the plate. Uh, yeah. So I think like – Calling games will be better. I think defensively our pitching would be better because we have – the Cubs right now do not have a lot of swing and miss guys. Like, yeah, guys like, you know, Kyle Hendricks, obviously, but like Justin Fields, Marcus Stroman, they're not strikeout guys. They're more pitch-to-contact, ground ball type guys. And we got two of the best defensive middle infielders. Uh, the shift's eliminated so they can cover the most ground and we won't be affected by it that much. I think overall the Cubs have had a great offseason. I would like another bat. I would like to see, hopefully, maybe do a podcast where Trey Mancini joins the Cubs or something like that. I'd love to see some type of addition. But Trent, Cubs are trending in the right direction. They are the team, for me, I am probably most excited about for their upcoming season as of right now. Now, I'll wait for the Bears to see what they yeah. do with their offseason. <laughs> then my tune might change. But uh, as of right now, the Cubs, I'm, I'm very, very excited uh, to see what the Cubs can do next season. And I can't wait. I, yeah, I just can't wait to get to Wrigley. Yeah. Let <laughs> it be known as a White Sox fan that... Good defense is a must <laughs> because the White Sox have proven that you can have a lot of power in that lineup, but if you can't catch and th- throw and catch the ball and yeah. you know make plays, you're not going to get anywhere. So that's where I'll trend now. Go for and it. Talk a little bit more about the White Sox, um, who just you know there was I saw yesterday on Twitter that it was officially 90 days from opening day, which is great. It means baseball is you know just around the corner. Spring training is a month and a half away from the beginning. That's great. But last year, when I saw like a 90, 100 days, 90 days till opening day, I was I could not wait. Like I just wish it was tomorrow when baseball was starting. I'm gonna enjoy like the next little bit of not having to watch baseball because <laughs> I don't really know what to expect with the White Sox this upcoming season. I think it'll be a better season, but you know I'll save all my predictions for our for an upcoming podcast here um, when spring training rolls around. But the worst of the White Sox in 2022, I have some other. Things I'm going to add out of this, but the entire regular season, because the entire regular season in 2022 was just waiting for them to click and waiting for them to get over the hump, and they just never did. So I, you know, back in the 
the first month of the season back in April, the White Sox went on a nine-game losing streak. And we just, you know, in 2020 and 2021, we just weren't really accustomed to that for the White Sox. They had their downtimes, but it always seems like then they got hot. And they went on a streak and they made it all up. Yeah. And, you know, the White Sox did overcome the nine-game losing streak. You know, they were back over 500. They were back, you know, competing for the division. But that's not what this White Sox team should be doing. Um, it was the it, – it, it's the most talented roster still is – in the in the division, I would say in the mm-hmm. American League Central, but you could have all the talent in the world, but the coat, you know, if you don't have other pieces in place, if you don't have the top down structure, you're it's proven that you're just going to be a, a mediocre eighty one eighty one team. Now, so the nine game losing streak, there was a, there was a series that in September the White Sox, I think, coming in were three games back of the Guardians, and they had a series at home. They had just won a series in Cleveland. I want to say the week. Prior, so they made up some ground. Now they had a chance to come home and really turn the tide and make maybe make a run in the last couple weeks of the season against Cleveland, and they ended up getting swept. And that was just kind of like the just the telltale of the entire season mm-hmm. is when they needed to win that game and needed to make that one extra play, they just didn't do it, and then they just they let destiny fall out of their own hands, basically. Yeah. So that was just the bad, you know, the injuries, the lack of production from guys like. Yasmani Grandal and Luis Robert and injuries to Luis Robert and Loya Menez and Tim Anderson. It just seemed, it just seemed like things snowballed throughout the entire entirety of the season that just it never was able to get where it should have been, which was honestly competing for a World Series championship. So yeah, that is it was just it wasn't an enjoyable season. That's why it's a little bit hard to look forward to the upcoming season right now because who knows what's going to happen, but. The best thing that really happened for the White Sox along with that this season was I, I put firing Tony La Russa. It wasn't really a firing. It was he there was health concerns and we wish Tony all the best. He's still a Hall of Fame manager. Just wasn't cut out for the job as it stands right now in the current in the current way baseball is, the current state yep. of baseball. So him not being, you know, operationally involved day to day for the team in the dugout, leading this team is good. Firing Frank Manichino, the hitting coach, was great because, you know, he said, why are we going to hit home runs? we got to th- hit 300. This team that the White Sox have is built with power. They have power bats. They need to be hitting home runs. So, if, And that's the thing that really bothered me with him. This new hitting coach that they have hired now says that we're trying to hit home runs. So it's a complete different mindset that I think is going to be, it has to be a benefit to the White Sox. So that's one thing. I think that um, one of the other great things about this season was the ascension of Dylan Cease. He finished second in AL Cy Young voting. And, you know, you could make the argument that he could have won it over Justin Verlander. I think Justin Verlander was the more deserving uh, candidate, and I think the right guy won. But you now know that Dylan Cease has become an elite starting pitcher, top of the rotation guy in the American League that you can bank on, you know, to get you a win and to get you a good outing. When you, when you really need to have it. Mm-hmm. I also think that, you know, if this counts for the 2022 season, I, I, it happened this year. So signing Andrew Benintendi uh, over the past couple of weeks was a really good move by the White Sox. You know, we just talked about defense. He's a gold glove caliber outfielder. It, it reshapes the team so they're not going to have to have a first baseman at heart playing in the outfield. Mm-hmm. So it just all around improves their defense. Um, you know, he's not going to be a, a power guy. But the White Sox already have enough of that in their yeah. lineup. Did you so, expect that as a White Sox? I did not. And that's, that's part of the reason why I appreciated it so much. Because we were told that the White Sox were going to be cutting payroll mm-hmm. and not going to be spending any money. And then, not that this really means much, but they gave him the largest deal 
uh, money-wise in franchise history. So mm -hmm. I'm expecting the White Sox to do more in the offseason still in 2023 now via the trade market. But just the fact that the front office spent some money was just kind of like a, okay, we're not done. Like, we're not just settling for what we have right now. They're, you know, we're going to try and improve where we can. So yeah, that was that was good. I mean, in a, in a couple more weeks, in a month or two, I'll definitely be more excited to – for the White Sox season, mm -hmm. but it was just such a drag of a year when you, we had, I mean, I picked this team back in uh, the spring or last winter time to have 98 wins and they finished with 81. So I was, first of all, I was way off, <laughs> but like, this is a team that we expected to be competing for a title and it just didn't turn out that way. So hopefully better things are ahead. I expect them to, because I don't think every single one of those guys is going to have another career down year, but we'll, we'll see what happens. So, um, yeah, now, we get to the best part of this. The main event. The main event. <laughs> <laughs> As we transition into talking Chicago Bears. The team that, you know, you excited about the Cubs and understandably so, but maybe the highest ceiling moving forward is our favorite Chicago Bears team. You are correct. So that this is like a really exciting time to be a Bears fan. I know that in the season right now, as it's coming to an end, has sucked record-wise. There has been a lot of good. I actually had a hard time, Tyler, coming up with some of the bad this season. Mm -hmm. So I want to I I hear you first what you thought the worst of 2022 was for the Chicago Bears. And then I can give mine. It really isn't that bad, to be honest with you. Which has definitely not been the case recently. So <laughs> It's hilarious to say that. Like, from us. Right? Like, being like, oh, it hasn't been that bad. And there are three yeah. wins <laughs> going for the second overall pick. And, like, it's... That's Possibly the first overall pick. In this maybe, yeah, there's, there's, there's a chance. There's a, there's a good chance, yeah. So, well, who knows? But... Um, the bad. Let me start with my bad. My bad was not setting up Justin Fields enough for success this offseason. And in particular, the lack of offensive line additions. I understand a little bit the lack of wide receiver additions. Like maybe it wasn't the year to go all in on wide receivers because they weren't really looking to do anything this year. That kind of wasn't their prerogative. That being said, It'd be kind of nice to have DK Metcalf right now. Like yeah. maybe to have him set up for the next five years with, with Justin Fields or some other addition. But I'm not going to focus on the wide receivers. I'm going to focus on the offensive line. The offseason, draft-wise, went, went great, I thought. Yeah. I, I had a good draft. Yeah. A few busts here and there. I mean, so far. I mean, I don't want to call them busts, but, I mean, yeah, Velas Jones, we don't want to talk about him right now, okay? <laughs> um, that being said, um, the one thing that Ryan Poles, one of the things that Ryan Poles said was an emphasis for him this off, that, that offseason was building an offensive line because he's a former offensive lineman himself, and he knows how to do that. Uh, at least that's what he said. So he goes out, and what does he do? He throws out a mediocre offer to that Buffalo offensive lineman. Was it Ryan, uh, Bates, right? Yes. Something like Ryan Bates. Yeah. So like throws a mediocre offer that gets easily matched to a restricted free agent, and that's it. <laughs> I mean, yep. let's be honest. That's the biggest move he tried to make as an offensive line. All the other ones are very minor moves. He signs... I don't even remember. Lucas like, Patrick. Yeah, Lucas um, Patrick's probably the biggest offensive like a, lineman. And that oh, was just, wow, yeah. yeah. I mean, at the time, I was like, okay. Yeah, me good, too. Good yeah. young center. Like, who knows? But he turned out to be not the greatest addition. I mean, he. I think I would, uh, personally, Jimmy, I would like to keep him for depth. I think yeah. he'd, he'd be good offensive line depth, but I don't want him. <laughs> Take him over Sam Lester, to be honest with you. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. I don't, I don't blame him. But, like. But overall, right. Overall, yeah. we went into the season with a bad offensive line. A line that wasn't improved even in the slightest, in my opinion. Um, and that set Justin Fields to run around like a man with his head cut off. And I felt really bad. Yep. But, I mean, they've improved. I'll be honest. They've improved in the, in the recent been weeks. They've been better in pass protection. Um, Justin Fields has had a little more time in the pocket, which has been nice to see. 
but it's also been it's also been a factor of scheming, cutting the field in half, getting him rolling out, so where he right. has a little, a few more, you know, seconds to throw the ball. So, yeah. um, I think yeah, that was my biggest bad of the offseason is is Ryan Pohl said, okay, we're gonna address the offensive line, and he didn't. And when he said he did, he, um, yeah, he just kind of fell flat on on yeah. making additions. Yeah. So, my take, um. For the for the worst of the Bears this season, actually doesn't have anything to do with their front office, on the field performance, player performance, anything like that. It has to do solely from the beginning, way back in the beginning of the season, when they were announcing the change of direction with the Ryan Pace firing and Matt Nagy firing, mm-hmm. was when George McCaskey gave his kind of season recap press conference. <laughs> that I thought was a low point for this team. Um, that had nothing to do with the team itself. I just thought it it was a poor reflection of the leadership that George McCaskey provides. Two things that he said specifically that really rubbed me, and I think a lot of Bears fans the wrong way, were his comments about Olin Krutz. I don't even remember what Olin was commenting on that led George McCaskey to say this, but he said that he knows Olin, he's been in the building with Olin, take everything Olin says with a grain of salt. Now, Olin said, yeah, Olin said that he got offered to a job with the Bears, yes. and they, they said they right. pay him 15 bucks an hour or something like that. Right. That, that, that's right, yes. Which I don't and, know why Olin would make that up. It's not yeah. something he just makes up out of the blue. Right. Yeah, know. and I mean, if that, and I, I, yes, exactly, I'm led to believe Olin in that regard, and if that's the way you're treating your Pro Bowl longtime center, like that's, again, a poor reflection on you, George McCaskey, to even kind of come up. But anyway. Mm-hmm. Him saying that about a guy who was on the field for him for however many years, yeah, winning fo- trying to win football games for him, playing for him, and then he comes out and says that, I, it just really, really rubbed me the wrong mm-hmm. way. And Olin was obviously very upset about that. When I think back when I was younger and watching football, Olin Cruz was always in the middle of everything. Mm-hmm. So like to have the owner of my my favorite team say that about one of my favorite childhood players. I just didn't like it. Yeah. I think it looked off a lot of fans the wrong way. And at this press conference, I remember it getting very testy at times. There was a lot of tension in the room. Mm-hmm. And it just seemed, again, George McCaskey's leadership, he was he was really taking the blame off of himself in a lot of ways. You know, people are saying, why, you know, we've won very little. We don't have any playoff success. We don't have, you know, anything really. What's going on? Don't beat the and Green Bay said, Packers. Yeah. <laughs> he says, I'm just a fan. I'm not a football evaluator. Like, you are the... So I'm going to go hire the football yeah, evaluators. Right. You I'm... are the top of the top of this organization, and you're saying you're just a fan? of. That's why you're not successful. And that's, <laughs> that's, why... <laughs> that's what we're trying to say. <laughs> it's like you just proved our point for us. So it was just – I remember listening to that, and I was – like it just made me really hesitant to believe that the Bears could go in the right direction, which now I do believe that they are. But I just think, still, looking back on that press conference, I just think that there was a lot that was said. And, you know, I it, it just did not go over yep. well with the fans. It, it it just bled what has been ruining this franchise for, for three decades. And basically. the way he orchestrated, orchestrated the hiring process, I wasn't crazy about, you yeah. know? Like, he went, okay, let's go. Originally, it was kind of like, let's hire our coach first. He started having coaching interviews and GM interviews. At the same time. Right. And it was like, that made zero sense to me. Like, why are you having, you he like interviewed like 11 coaches and nine GMs all at the same time. And then he hired his GM and then he said, okay, here's our three finalists. Pick right. One. It's like, wait, no, that's, yeah, that's, that's not, not how not this not, works. Right. You know, now that being said, I think 
I think they hired the right GM. I do like Ryan Poles. I, I, do. I know yeah. I just bashed on him, but I think I had the right GM. And I think Poles does have his guy in Flus, at mm-hmm. least for now. I'm, I'm not sold. It's funny. like People are like really sold on Eberflus, but I saw a tweet. It was like, Bears about to have their worst season ever in franchise history, and we're sold yeah. on the coach. Like, let's not let's right. pump the brakes, right. you know? But I think he is building a culture, and he's building, like, like I see the Bears going out there competing. They're not just laying eggs every right. single day. You yeah. know, they're, they're, go, they're out there, like, with every the game trying to win. Every game competitive. Like, it just seems like the Bears are in these games. And I know yeah. last week's score against uh, Buffalo. Buffalo, yeah. It, <laughs> it, it wasn't close, but it seemed like they're in a lot of these games where they're playing really tough opponents. So, yeah. Credit to that, but yes, I McCaskey handled this offseason. like the hiring process, especially in my opinion, yeah, very poorly. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, that's yeah. just you know. But right now, it's good, and that's why I want to lead you to Tyler. Yep, the best. I think I know what it is, uh, for the Bears, but I want to hear it again because I just want. I love talking about it. So. Well, yeah, this. So this is a sentence. I don't think I thought I would ever say in my lifetime. But the Bears have a quarterback. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and they have their quarterback, the guy that I think can be the guy for the next decade, uh, over decade, okay? And get excited about it, Bears fans. Okay? Yes. <laughs> now, does the man have a long way to go? Yes. He's still got a long way to go to be to be the guy. But I've seen so I've seen enough flashes where I'm like, okay, Justin Fields is the man I want at the center of my franchise. Like, I think I've talked to you about this. I've talked to others about this. There was never a moment in Mitchell Trubisky's time with the Chicago Bears, where I was like, yeah, he's the guy. Right. He's the guy. There were times I was like, oh, I saw flashes. I'm like, okay, that's a good throw. Okay, I can, I can see it. I can see him being the franchise quarterback. My feeling with Justin Fields, I've never felt with a Bears quarterback, is this is the guy. Yep. This is our quarterback. We, we're good. All right, we're set, we're set at that position. Let's go surround him now. Um, so, yeah, I'm pumped because we got, we got a multi-threat quarterback. He's got a, he's got a big arm. He's just got a get more protection around him. He's got to get more weapons around him. Like, people are like, the people that drag on his passing and like, yeah. oh my gosh, the guy can't pass. Well, you know what? One, he's got two seconds to pass the ball. <laughs> all right? And two, he's throwing Dante Pettis and Byron Pringle. <laughs> all right? What do you want the guy to do? <laughs> it's I'm like so- that video where the quarterback like throws it to himself then all of a sudden he's down the field catching the ball. Be, be better video. off. <laughs> be better off. All right? I'm so Like... Remember that whole oh what was his name I don't even remember his name the get the former Vikings wide receiver that had the big fumble remember him uh, the guy we cut like the next week after oh Amir Smith Marset. oh yeah he's one of those types of guys like yeah. are you kidding me so like next it's up to polls this off season but like I'm excited about Justin Fields I'm excited about the future of the Bears because now we got a big off season coming up we got double the cap space of any other NFL franchise and we got. What we got top heavy draft picks. We're gonna have the number yep. two raw pick, which to be honest, or number three, we'll get a haul for for that pick. Yep. Like I can see us getting maybe even like trading within the top ten. Yeah, getting another first rounder or heck, this this is this is just a scenario I heard. But like you know maybe go getting like a receiver. Like I don't know. Yep. I, I don't know. I don't know if he's worth it, but like a T. Higgins or something mm-hmm. like that. Like go get like I don't know. There's a lot of options for the Bears this offseason to surround you some fields with weapons. So I'm excited about the offseason. That's the good. But the main good, the good I can talk about all day, every day, is yep. the man Justin Fields. We yes. have our quarterback, okay? Like you could be skeptical, fine. You could be I he might not be the superstar Hall of Famer today, okay? That's not what he is today. But you know what he is? He's a future of he's the future of the Chicago Bears and he's yep. the future of the NFC North. So book it. Yes, exactly. This the, I can confidently look at Justin Fields and look at the rest of the division and say we have the best quarterback moving forward for the next decade. 
assuming he stays healthy and everything goes right. But this is a guy, to your point, I was thinking about this the other day, to your point about Mitch Trubisky, is like, I kind of look at them as opposites. Like, there was moments of uh, good with Mitchell Trubisky and a lot of bad. Yeah. And now with Justin Fields, is there's a lot of good and there's some bad moments, which you get with a 23-year-old quarterback. Mm-hmm. Like, we watched Josh Allen, and some of those throws that he was making last week against the Bears were not good throws. I mean, he's Josh Allen, he's a great quarterback. But, like, you can't just nitpick on every little thing that the quarterback exactly. does when they make bad decisions. This kid's 23 years old. So, I mean, that is by far and away the best of the Chicago Bears in 2022 is Justin Fields. Like, the, everything that we were hoping for coming into this season, we have got, like, maybe not record-wise, but with Justin Fields playing well, proving that he's the guy, like, that's that's what we wanted. Like, yep. we knew the season wasn't really going to be going anywhere, but we have our quarterback. The best thing, I think, that happened to the Bears was the mini-bye week. Um, Absolutely. Between the... That's a good. The was it the Washington game after the Washington after the Washington game yeah after the Washington before the Patriots game yeah where this offense really took the next step forward specifically Justin Fields and the thing that I'm like maybe it's a blessing in disguise in a little ways in some ways with the lack of talent around Justin Fields is when he gets that talent mm-hmm. this game is going to slow down for him and he's going to become that much more dangerous of a quarterback both passing and running like he you know he has all those tools. And now it's just on the front office specifically to get him there. And I think he's he's going to be an MVP f- candidate for the next however many years. Mm-hmm. And he's going to be, you know, this is the ch- this is what we've been waiting for, hopefully, where the Bears can have a sustained period of success, not just a weird one-off every couple seasons where maybe the Bears get a wild-card spot or maybe once a decade they win the division. Like No, this is it. Right. This is, this is what we've been waiting for, led by Justin Fields. And, you know, everything about him just it, – it, it's just what – you like prototypical quarterback. Like he says the right things. He performs well on the field. He's a great leader. He works hard. Like everything that you want in a quarterback, that is Justin Fields, and that is the best of the Chicago Bears. Right yeah. Now. Is he is he throwing for three hundred yards a game? Is he throwing for five thousand yards? No. And I could care less. Right. Okay. You know what? Yeah. He's scoring the football. Yeah. All right. I'm just gonna pull up his stats right now, just for the fun of it. Okay. He's thrown for 2,100 yards. Yeah, that's not phenomenal. 16 touchdowns, 10 interceptions, which, by the way, is pretty solid. I'll yeah. take that from your second-year QB. But he's also rushed for 1,000 yards and 8 touchdowns. So put that all together. He's rushed for 30. He's a, he has total offense, 3,100 yards. What's 8 plus 16? <laughs> 24. <laughs> 20, 20, 24 touchdowns, 10 interceptions. Like, you know, <laughs> okay, thank you. Dude, <laughs> so 24 touchdowns, eight intercept- or 10 interceptions, and over 3,000 yards in offense. I will take that from my <laughs> second-year quarterback, okay? I don't care if he's rushing. I don't care if he's throwing. The man's yeah. proven, and he's proven that he's he's a future star in this league. Is is he the all-star? Like I said, is he the superstar Hall of Famer today? I'm not going to say he's a Hall of Famer today, okay? I'm not saying that. <laughs> I'm saying the Bears have a future star in Justin Fields, okay? Book it. Get ready because it's coming, whether you're a Bears fan, whether you're a Packers fan, whether you're a Lions fan, you're a Vikings Get ready because he's coming for your franchise, That's right. all right? That's our boy. That's right. That's right. And we won't hear anything otherwise. <laughs> Absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> well, that kind of puts a wrap on 2022 for Chicago sports. Puts a wrap on Lakeshore Sports for 2022, the first year of Lakeshore Sports um, complete. It's been so fun. It has been very fun. We're not stopping. We'll be back in 2023. Uh, you know, like I always like to do, bear season's coming to an end, but there's a lot of stuff on the horizon that we have to look forward to. Maybe not always positive on this podcast, but a lot of stuff that's positive coming forward. So 
Stick with us on Lakeshore Sports in 2023. We'll be coming out with some more content, talking some more Chicago sports, and we'll hope for a better 2023 for our teams. <laughs>